Welcome to season four of the Dynamic Leader Podcast. My name is Shelley Flett. I believe that leadership at its core requires strong relationships, the ability to sit in a space of genuine curiosity and the courage to build capability in others. I believe great leaders are lifelong learners, and so my intention is to help you to continue your learning journey by bringing you new perspectives from experts in their field. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. Today, I want to, I guess, label or call this episode anything is possible. Um, And so let me give you a little bit of context and background. So uh, those that know me know that I love a random conversation. I've always loved where random conversations lead to. Um, And today's guest is someone that I sat beside on a plane earlier this year when I flew to Brisbane for work and we engaged in a random conversation. Um, And it just so happens that um, Kim O'Keefe, who was sitting beside me, is a fabulous woman with a fabulous story. Um, And towards the end of the flight, we um, found that we had a few common interests around leadership, around professional growth and careers, Um, But a little bit about Kim before we get into the conversation. She's currently the State Member of Parliament for Shepparton District. Um, Prior to entering Parliament, um, she was the Mayor of Greater Shepparton and a small business owner. And after six years in local government, Kim wanted to work or to continue to work hard on her electorate. Um, She's passionate and committed to fight for the needs of the region. Uh, And this is what prompted her to run for Parliament. The main passions and priorities that Kim has as a Member of Parliament are to support the people in her electorate and ensure that the region gets its fair share of investment and support. Um, Her priorities around supporting community through flood and storm damage recovery, addressing the cost of living, homelessness, housing affordability and availability. So thank you so much for joining us today, Kim. It's so great to have you here. It's a pleasure. I'm so great to see you again, Shelley. <laughs> I um, always love being able to sort of connect and talk about leadership. And I particularly loved that, um, you know, you're from Shepparton and, um, you know, uh, my parents live in, in Coonamoo, which is up near Cobram. And I always remember Shepparton as the place we would go for McDonald's. And it was the place that we would go. For, like We would drive to Shepparton on a Friday afternoon just for McDonald's. It's like an hour trip. <laughs> It's quite a big regional city, actually. So it's interesting you say that, you know, with a lot of the surrounding small towns, you know, the satellite small towns around us, which does make us quite unique and make Shepparton, yeah, basically the city to you, smaller, you know, farming farming community. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the the hub and the place that we all sort of converged to when we wanted something that was outside of the boring mundane. Um, but you've called Shepparton your home for, for a long time. Four years of age and I hate it that I can't say I was born here my mother was born here <laughs> and we moved back to Shepparton when I was four years of age yeah where did you go for the four years yeah so um my parents moved to Melbourne and then my dad was a professional musician so he was very talented and um, played with a lot of the big show bands and the big show bands where he was sort of wanting to get the work were in Sydney so they went from Melbourne moved on to Sydney where I was born and two of my other siblings my elder two were born in Melbourne and then three born in Sydney um, and then that got very challenging with five children and they ended up moving up to Mount Isa where they heard there was just some some money to be made and headed up there but yeah I was born in Sydney I only had a you know probably a year there and then up to Mount Isa and then back home mum wanted to come back to Shepherd and life had become obviously you know very busy with five children and um, she got quite homesick and we ended up back here in Shepherd and so lucky me <laughs> yep 
So, so given that I was only ever a visitor to Shepparton, I'd love to um, get your thoughts on how it has changed over the years. Because one thing I know growing up in the country and sort of moved around a little bit um, is that um, the smaller the country town and the further out it is from any big city or any regional centre, the slower the change, the slower the the pace of things. So how have you seen Shepparton evolve over the years? Yeah, look, really interesting. And I think as time's moved on, I think that's become even more apparent, you know. But as a small business owner, my husband and I both had small businesses in the region. You know, we saw the ups and downs and challenges within communities, um, you know, dairy farming, agriculture, all those farming. And you, you've got a background in farming. So, you know, at times, that you know, there's really great times when you're farming and then there's really challenging times, which has an impact on communities. But in saying that, I mean, we have had, you know, 100 years of SPC here, you know, as significant global brands, you know, Campbell's Soup, you know, we're really proud of the, the, the significant um, you know industries that we do have that are global and are so successful and with that comes opportunity to attract you know bigger business and I've really worked hard in that space and to put a bright light on the region and, and regional Victoria as a whole you know the lifestyle the, the opportunities you know it, it is it is a great place to live and work and and to, to raise a family and have all the things that I've had you know during my life the opportunities you know you have to chase them but they are there in regional Victoria. You don't have to live in the big cities, you know, to have success in life. It's so great to hear that. I certainly moved to Melbourne because I was like, ah, oh, nothing here for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to go to where I think that is. And even in um, in Melbourne and, you know, I'm out in the city of Casey. And so there's a, a real sense of how do we start to develop the the hubs on the, um, you know, ex- the exterior parts of um you know, Melbourne suburbs. So it's great to kind of see how things are evolving. I'm curious about your, um, you know, where your journey started, I'm particularly interested in leadership. And I think leadership for you took different forms, but, you know, where did you think you would get to in your career versus where did you get to? And what do you think of that? <laughs> Yeah, no, look, it's it's really interesting and it's been very exciting and I think I'm a very, um, you know, enthusiastic, optimistic, a, a very curious mind, you know, what could be, you know, I'm, I'm very much a person that likes to really look at opportunity and, and what that could mean to me. But, yeah, you're right, in the early days, you know, I, I left school quite young at 15 and um, had some family challenges. So, you know, left left school by, you know, I had to, it wasn't by choice. But with that, I, I connected to really great community people. So my first bosses were wonderful to me. They were very kind and giving and supportive wanted me to do well in life so that was in a little card shop a little news agent type of shop and um you know they, they were always constantly chatting to me about what the future could look like and you know should I want to study or you know what, what should I be doing with my life so I stayed with them for six years went into pharmacy after that and then looked at you know maybe that industry that I was really enjoying more the beauty industry um how I could actually get some some skills and some training in, in that role so it really is a matter of you know mapping your life out and you know I started saving money and working out okay if I want to do this particular course it's going to cost this amount of money and you know get some skills and then yes just started in a, a traineeship in a salon loved it there had a very good mentor then I know in your book you talk about people that influence and you know she was a wonderful boss she was a, a true leader she she gave me the opportunity to have input and to you know contribute to that business and then when I did decide I was going out into my own business she was very supportive you know she said good people don't stand stand still they move on so I think that influence of you know of other people having the um the belief in me as well and also me perhaps seeing opportunity at the right 
right times. I think that's a really big thing. You know, when you look at raising a family and opening a business and, you know, the things that you aspire to do, I do believe a lot of the time when opportunities come by, yes, you have to really grab them at that time or they could continue moving past you. Or is it the right time? Do you ask yourself those questions? Because sometimes if it's not the right time, it won't work. And there's a few times where I did sit back and hold back to make sure that I could contribute, you know, particularly when I went into local government after having a a small business for a long time. I really wanted to make sure that, you know, I could contribute and and have the time and also spread myself. You know, when you've got a family, a partner, you know, it's it's very challenging at times, particularly when you want to, when you're such a career-minded person like I was and and still am. um, Yeah, I, I just knew that, as long as I was happy doing what I was doing and it was working, particularly when I got married and had children, it was working as a family unit as well. It's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about um, other people having a belief in you. Were there times where other people had a belief in you that didn't potentially match the belief that you had in yourself? And, you know, did you, yeah, like, curious about the belief you had in yourself throughout the your career? Yeah, and look, I think it, what we tend to do, we tend to overthink things. You know, do I have the skills, the knowledge? Particularly when I went into local government, I'd worked in an industry for 28 years that I was very comfortable and I was the boss and I was, you know, I had a great team and had wonderful staff along along the way. I know over many years I have, you know, some great success of those people moving on as well and doing really well. But I think we went, particularly when I went outside my comfort zone, you know, um, questioning myself. And other people said that, you know, she's only a beauty therapist, you know, what would she know? You know, she's, you know, so I think, yeah, times we tend to overthink some of that, but I also like the opportunity of learning. And I kept telling myself this would be a new a new learning for you, which is incredibly exciting at that stage of my life after being, as I said, you know, had had a successful business for a long time, decided to move into something totally different. And it's quite scary. And then you tend to perhaps push back a bit because I, and I did, I suppose I did my homework. I, I met with some people, you know, that have worked in local government prior to me going into that completely different space um, and just got their take on how they thought I would how well I would go. There was good and bad on both sides of that. Some were pretty much, well, why would you not to stick to what you know? And you obviously you know, have a have a good life and you're doing well. Why would you even think about that? And there can be many reasons around that as well. You know, it can be an interesting space and putting yourself out there, you know, a lot of those type of um, comments. But, yeah, I think overall, I think, you know, if you – if you see an opportunity, you've just got to really understand what it means. I think sometimes people do jump and then they get some really big surprises and it may not work. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the big thing is really to look at what you're looking at doing and what that, you know, how do you get there and how do you get the knowledge and understanding and you're never going to get it all but have a, a bit of an insight at least, you know, to what to what that could be. And But along the way is learning as well and I think that's a big thing. Yes, you might start on a, on a particular um, road, heading somewhere but often it'll do quite a few left turns and um and quite a few surprises and they can be good and bad i have um i've always found that you know when i made the leap from corporate into my own business um the the people around me was so so important for um being able to keep going because you know it's often quite challenging to do something different. Uh, and I recently went to um, an, a, a, the Atomic Habits um, session with James Clear in Melbourne. He's fabulous. But he said something that I'd love to get your thoughts on. He said, the need to belong often trumps the need to grow. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And there's always that sense of belonging that we all feel in our comfort zone, I suppose. Um, and, and that's a really good statement. But I think to grow, um, we don't know what that looks like sometimes, you know. And as I said, there can be really good surprises and there can also be some challenges with that. 
but yeah if we are, if we only ever focus thinking that things are going to be you know perfect or you know really positive we know that that's not the case in any aspects of our life so i think that's the open thing we need to understand that you know there can be you know I love the opportunity to learn new things, even though at times I question, you know, my ability to do that. But mentoring, and you're right, you've touched on that. You, and in your book, you talk a lot about that, you know, some of the things about your unconscious competence and conscious competence and things that we, you know, we know we know this, but we don't know if we know that. And I really resonated with that part of your book because it's exactly how I feel. And you also talk about the mentorship. And, of course, my, my colleagues, uh, my National Party colleagues, you know, those experienced ones, I'm just leaning on so much at the moment, just really absorbing all of their information as a Member of Parliament now. And that's the big thing too. Be smart enough to ask and, and you know, wrap yourself around people that you know are going to be able to contribute and help you along the way, and particularly those that are really supportive. Um, and you don't, and not everyone's like that. Some people think, well, you've been elected, you're there, do your job. Then you get those others that I'm finding really significant support to me, and I need that because it's a it's a new space. And to do the job, I want to do it well. And I think this is a big thing for all of us when we put ourselves in any position, whether it be leadership or you know in whatever role we're in. I personally want to do it well, and to do that is a big learning. But that's exciting, you know. And also, I hope I can contribute, you know, from my experiences along the way. I think we, you know, each side of it. Hopefully, you're there for a reason to learn the role, but also to contribute. How do you how do you deal with the people that that just don't have a nice thing to say? The the noise that often comes from people, and I'm sure it comes from a space of fear or insecurity within themselves. But you know, how do you protect yourself? Like at what point do you know oh, there's merit in what they're saying? Maybe I need to explore it a little bit further versus it's just noise. Like how do you how do you differentiate? Yeah, and it's tough. I'm a people pleaser and I like people to like me. <laughs> um, and I was mayor for four years, you know, so with that, you know, you're very close to your local communities. There's lots of people having, you know, some challenges in life. But I have a saying and it's a really strong one and it's listen to reason, you know, listen to each other because you might give me a reason where I'll understand your opinion that little bit better and I might give you a reason that you might learn something from me as well. So, you know, I've had awful phone calls where someone would use the worst language and I would just hang up, you know, then they ring back, yes, I'll take the call, but I'll say don't swear at me I know that something's happening that you're that's made you upset and made you emotional but let's have a respectful conversation and you know let's really work through this together because obviously something's wrong um yeah but there's there's it's never okay to be really disrespectful and politics is an interesting space we all know that now that I'm in state government and you only have to sit in question time uh, but yeah look you know what I think if you you have to have a tough skin you don't put yourself out there you know tall poppy is, a, is you know you're going to get people going to try and cut you down and but everyone has a, can have an opinion and I will always respect that that. We, I may not agree and we may we may not agree but at least listen to reason if you're having that opportunity to have a discussion about something or an opinion on something there should be two sides to that conversation and let me have my opportunity to respond to that and I'll listen to what you're saying as well because there could be some learning in that and along the way there's been some really great conversations that have started really awful you know because that person is quite angry but when we've got to that calming opportunity there can be ongoing you know, relationships and and I've met some really great people like that where at the start it didn't go well, um, but as we've moved through things and had a better way of communicating, um, as I say, there can be there can be really great outcomes and opportunities and I've made some really repaired some some great relationships along that way. I've learned my brother overseas who does a lot of this as well, he's helped me in that space too because sometimes, you know, he'll say to me, Kim, I do worry at times about, you know, hey, how are you going? You know, just, just coping with all that. And he's, yeah, given me a couple of strategies around it. But I always think you're in a role. I'm Kim O'Keefe. Yes, I'm a person, but I'm also in a role. 
And you're not mayor forever. When you're mayor, you're the mayor. Yes, Kim O'Keefe is in that role, but you're representing the role of the mayor. So do that role well. Personally, as Kim O'Keefe, yes, I might take things a little bit more sensitive. And I think if you lose that empathy or that, you know, that need to really feel a bit sorry for people at times, that would be an awful thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And you've always got to have that level of empathy and understanding and compassion. And hopefully that those, you know, that those those tough times for people, you can you can work through that conversation. Which leads me to to ask, you know, how much of your um, career as a business owner working in the the beauty industry, um, listening a lot, like how much of those skills, those, I, I just think they're so important, the interpersonal skills, do you find have come in handy in, you know, your um, role as mayor and your role in parliament now? Yeah, look, there's two sides to that. So I was, I, I had a salon for, you know, 28 years and I had a training school as well. So, you know, we were the first school um, in Shepparton to have training in the industry. I knew I had a skill, so we opened a school. So in the salon, yes, you had hands-on chatting to women on a day-to-day basis and I loved that. And I was so fortunate, to, you know, to work in a career, have my own business that I loved. And also I got to mentor others, you know, in the training side of that, we had people come from wide and far. So, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to also lead others into a great career path. And we had lots of different courses we were running, but the actual salon itself, and I still have clients that I'm so fond of, you know, and you, it's almost like when you leave that business, it's like going through a divorce, you know, because they're so connected and they, you are their go-to person a lot of the time, you know, and um, I, I just loved my career and I loved the, the opportunities of advancement. You know, it wasn't just the salon work that I did. I only did two days in the salon and it really towards the last five years, it was servicing those clients that I could not detach myself from, to be honest. I should have been more working on it, not working in it. But in saying that, I still think you need to be in a business, you know, a certain part of your, your time just to really, you know, have a hand on the handle. And But I had great girls on my team, you know, great salon managers and girls that I could just know that I could go off and that the job was done. And when we opened the school, it was very much that that was the case. I was very focused on the training part of the business, but still with those, you know, hands-on clients because, as I said, it was like a divorce, it was like a marriage and you sort of had to, it was very hard to get away from that. But um, And I still see them and I had I have such a great support in the community as well because not only the business, you know, we did community fundraising, we supported the schools. So the thing I love about a regional community, and, and as I said, my husband had a small business as well, so we were very close to our community prior to me going into local government and into state, state parliament. I think that's been such a great thing to have. I understand the community. I understand the challenges of small business. We had highs and lows. We had times where you, we said, is this worth keep going? You know, there's times in your businesses where things are really tough. So I think just that understanding across the board, you know, just on the surface, yes, it was a salon. I got to sit with women most of the time. But some of those conversations were very powerful too. You know, we had, you know, domestic violence issues. I had you know, women that um, needed some guidance in life, where they should be heading. And I hope I, and I know I did, I steered some women into some really good direction. And I love that, that I had that opportunity to do that. Mm. And I love um, how you talk about, you know, your your role when you had your own business, but then moving into um more of a community role it doesn't the way you talk about it doesn't seem like it's a huge leap it actually seems like it's a really small step um and I think that that in itself is really inspiring because you sort of think gosh you um cut hair one day and you're mayor of Shepherd in the next you know it's the <laughs> you you look at that and go wow that's huge but the way you talk about it, it's like it it's actually seems like a really nice transition yeah and so I was a beauty therapist not hairdresser but um sorry 
But I, I could try that as well. Don't worry. <laughs> um, now, you know what was interesting? When I got elected, there were 29 candidates and um, I come out in the bottom of the ballot. And look, to be honest, when I was asked initially to go into local government was 2012, but the timing wasn't right. So it was always in the back of my mind, you know, when, when the time's right and I'm probably ready to move on from what I'm doing, I would definitely aim for something within the community, whether it was local government or whatever. But, um, yeah, so when I was asked to run in 2016 and the timing was definitely better, um, yeah, I did. I thought, what does this look like? And I'm I'm not done. I, I want to still keep doing things in the community. I still had my business at that stage, but we'd moved into an online training model. So the flexibility was going to be more, you know, e a lot easier. So, yeah, so when I went into local government, I was asked, I was first elected out of 29, which was a big surprise. Um, I mean, I didn't know how I would go. You put yourself out to an election. You don't know. You know, honestly, I did not know how I would go. So to come first across the line was a big surprise. But with that comes enormous responsibility and the greatest of respect for those voters, you know. So I was asked to go in as mayor first term and I said, no, I need to really, um, you know, get an understanding about this role and local government. And I just jumped in. So I went in as deputy mayor the first year and just, learnt as much as I could, did as much, you know, back up for the mayor. The mayor was quite keen for me to, at the time, for me to learn as his deputy. And then I was fortunate to get the following two years um, following that. And then 2020, I wasn't mayor, but we had COVID. Had another election, first elected again. So very fortunate, again, to be first elected and then went in another two years as mayor. So, yeah, in incredible learning. And local government is very broad. You know, it's not just a job. I just learnt my job. I felt what I was doing in the past. You learn a job, you do it. Every day is different in local government. And as mayor and, you know, in council, you're running, you know, monthly council meetings. You've got so much preparation, so much reading, which was a great lead into state government because that doesn't change. But, um, yeah, just the the homework, the background, the and depending on others, that, Shelley, was probably my biggest change. I was so used to being the leader, leading others and bringing out the best in them and, you know, really proud of what I was doing. But to suddenly have to depend on others was a big shift for me. And I found that at times, and my poor PA when I was mayor, I'm chasing her up for things all the time, you know, saying, where's this, where that? She had everything under control. But to have to delegate, you know, a lot of that responsibility and a lot of this, I needed, I needed support. There's no doubt about it. As I said, local government is so broad. But that was my biggest change and it still is today. Delegating I find really challenging and not to control and micromanage, um, just to understand you have to put that faith in other people and it's challenging at times. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, because putting your faith in other people is, you know, a huge element of leadership. Um, how do you, how would you describe how you lead today? Yeah, at the moment, because, um, you know, it's such a learning, even coming into state politics is such a learning. So the whole office that I'm working in now, um, my staff are fabulous, but we are all learning. You know, they're, they're new staff. I've got one of my girls doing a four-hour training this morning as we speak. Um, so that can, it can have its challenges. But the great thing about that, you know, we have the National Party supporting us. All of the other electoral officers are there just a phone call away. Parliament give great support. But as far as a day-to-day -day basis, there is so much happening and you just have to prioritise. And you've seen with my technology, I'm pretty much the old school. I have my whiteboard, what we've got to do today, what has to be done, you know, anytime soon and then what can wait. We have this sort of red light system in the salon, which I did in my business as well. Sorry, in the office, I'm saying in the salon. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a such a huge space, but you need support and the support is there. I've just got to understand to step back and let the process <clears throat> at times work itself through it. But, um, look, I'm very fortunate that people around me at the moment have the same passion. <clears throat> Pardon me, i got a frog in my throat. And that passion is to serve our constituents and our community, and, and that's our priority. 
the day-to-day running of the office, the enormous amount of emails that come through, you know, it's it, it's a very busy space and it's a space that not everyone is comfortable in. I've had one staff member um, leave, we had to replace. Um, so it is a very fast-moving yeah, it can be quite crazy for some people and I'm a very fast-moving person, so that probably suits me quite well at times. But it can also be a bad thing because, you know, when things are happening so fast, you've got to make sure nothing's missed, you know, and this is why you have this incredible team that have their role to play in that space. So it's just working out a system and there's not a system that's everywhere in every office. It's your own office, your own community. You as a, as a, a member of parliament, how you want to you know, run your office, but making sure it's done in an efficient manner. So we're still learning, but the team, we are a team and I've just got to, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm better at it than what I used to be. <laughs> um, you know, I've got to understand, I, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day and you know what happens to leaders that don't lead well and they try and do everything themselves, things deteriorate very quickly and I've learned that over the years. So get good people around you, give them the opportunities and work as a team. And so knowing um, the fast pace, because what you're talking about is being echoed all across, um, you know, different industries. There's so much going on. Um, It is about getting the support from your people. There is only 24 hours in a day. How do you balance the um, work with the life stuff? Um, You could work 24 hours a day, no doubt. (laughs) I'm sure there's enough to keep you busy. But how do you how do you find that balance? Yeah, it's challenging at times. And yesterday I had five events on, and I had an event late last night. You know, I look at it; it's a window in your life. There's a window of opportunity, and I've got a lot of energy, and I feel healthy and well, and I'm I'm excited to be in the role, and I genuinely love the role. So often my um, my PA here will say, Kim, you know, you've got these four things on. You know, we'll give you an hour and a half in between here, and you know, and sometimes that needs to happen. You need to give yourself time to, you know, just debrief what you've just been to, catch your breath for the next meeting, to be functional and and to you know have the right input. But yeah, there's some days where I'll just say, no, that's fine. I've got plenty of time. I'll run to that. Um, You know, like I say to you, it's a window, but I'm also very mindful of what you can fit in and what you can't. And to be honest, Shelley, one of my biggest changes from being mayor in local government, being on the ground amongst the community 24-7, loved that role, by the way. When I went into state government and to be in Melbourne every second week, so I leave on Sunday, come back Thursday night, which means I'm not in my community for those days. That's a big challenge because I miss out on things, although I'm representing them in Parliament, which is so important, representing my community. But I'll see things come in my calendar that we've had to decline and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sitting that week. So, you know, that's that's a change. Um, but I am loving, I'm loving being in Melbourne. I'm loving that oh, the Parliament House is just the most incredible building and the, you know, the history there and the opportunity for me to be part of that. I sit in the chamber, honestly, and pinch myself um, and just think, wow, you know, what an incredible experience and opportunity for me representing my community. But also, you know, for me being a member, it's it's a it's a transition that I'm so grateful I've had that happen because I would have been my last year as mayor. So four years as mayor, you know, others deserve that opportunity, aspiring, you know, new mayors want to do that role and I respected that but I wasn't done yet. So very happy to have continued on now from local government and interstate government. Yeah, absolutely. So I am curious about your, um, you talked about the red light um, system for keeping track of things. I would love to know a little bit more about that because um, I feel like there might be a little bit of gold in there. <laughs> and it's really funny. So when I first started it, yeah, we'd say, okay, today. So we'd have today. These are the things. Something might pop in, Shelley, and it will have media pop up today. 
at 10 o'clock, you've got to have this. So all of a sudden the office has to jump to get me the, you know, the speaking points I need, the references. So today is the, the, the nervous one. What's actually happening today and what has changed from yesterday? So yesterday, obviously, we have, you know, look at what's happening over, you know, a few days before. We plan our, our weeks out. But there can be some surprises, you know, when the Commonwealth Games um, was announced that it was cancelled. We had uh, so much media come in that morning and within an hour we had, you know, 7.30 report tonight on our doorstep. So that sort of stuff can be very, um, very busy. But it's often preparation you've already got. So it's just putting your hands on that and having your staff that do that role. So my comms media, she would run to that and get everything ready for me. And it's just making sure that it is fluent. But it can be quite stressful for staff as well to have to snap your fingers and go, right, it's on. I need this, this, this than this within half an hour yeah that can it can be stressful but it, it works because I go to that board and I know all of us can look at that board and they can tick and say yep that's all on track things that are in you know that can wait that we can just jump over to in the next few days we can come in if we've got time today I, I just find it works it's very visual of course mm -hmm. I've got younger staff in the office I've got Jack who's only 20 he's at university and he, he does a couple of days with me and he's uh, he had 12 months with the National Party prior to coming to me he's got all the technology stuff sorted so that's great you know he's got all the graphs and he's got all the you know all the behind the scenes stuff that um you know that 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 you know, a youthful person that's much more savvy than I am um, can be on top of that. You know, so my, my staff are great as far as age, demographic and experiences. Um, it's it's a big contribution. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. And so everyone can kind of come in and they can see the board and go, we know what the priorities are today. We know uh, what might have changed in the last 24 or probably eight hours since we've been, you know, sleeping um, and that you have a good, some, I sense that you've got a, a good um, oversight on what's happening immediately as well as how far out to look. I'm curious about how far out you you look for things. Do you, it's, um, being able to anticipate things that are, are coming, how far out do you look? Yeah, so that can be quite broad. You know, that can just be some media stuff that's a few months away that's going to be very important and it needs some, you know, some strong preparation, but we've got plenty of time to do that. So there might be some highlighted things that are quite significant. You know, there might be, as I say, some media things or there might be some meetings, you know, that, you know, I've got some really important meetings coming and that I will need, you know, maybe making sure we've got all the things we need in place. And um, But uh, timeframes and deadlines. So I think Deanne, you know, with the, the comms media stuff, you know, she needs me to to provide, you know, and she does it through email as well. But on the board, she knows that I love the boards. So she'll have a few little stars on the, this is coming. Um, so the board's really probably the Kim board, to be honest. I mean, they all contribute to it because they know that's how I like it. Um, but I do get emails and my calendars, the girls put in all of my speaking notes and things that I need, you know, obviously in preparation. But, yeah, the three points I find just really helpful, you know, things that are coming that are quite significant and we just, it's in our minds that they are coming and just on the board each day, yep, I've got that and that, almost ready for that. And in the middle is really things that can wait but have to be done, you know, say within the month. Um, but, yeah, they, they laugh at my system, but we, we do know it works. I come running and I tick a few things and say, well done, that's been ticked off and, um yeah, but look, it is a fast space, um, but I do find, you know, everyone just needs to be also aware of them, you know, themselves as well. I often say to them, make sure you've got, you know, water and make sure you're having, you know, some time. My office girl at the moment, she's been doing long hours and I have said to her, you know, 
prioritize things you know don't stay late into the office don't take things at home too much because you've got to have your home life Shelley and you've got to have your time I don't want my staff to think that they have to be going right into late at night doing stuff and this is something really big that we you know obviously there's preparation that has to be done but you know she's so enthusiastic and, and doing such a great job but I'm reminding her no you should not still be here at 6 30 at night you know <laughs> head home and this is something, you know, really big. But, I mean, that's great as well. You know, they're contributing. But in saying that, they've also got to remember there is 24 hours in a day, prioritise and get the things done that need to be done and don't put so much pressure on yourself because there's a whole wave of things that can come in and work out what needs to be done and what can wait. And so um, knowing that people will see what you do and probably do what you do as opposed to do what you say, <laughs> how often do you see your staff going, you shouldn't still be here, but I'm still here? Um, how often do you say, I've got to probably change some things myself in order to, you know, role model that? You're right. And they do say that. And like, as I said, yesterday I had quite a few events, ran out the door and had an hour to go home, get changed and head out to another significant event. They know my role and they do understand it, particularly when it comes to functions, meetings, events, you know, having to be outside of the office. And to be honest, I, the ideal is to be not in the office as much for me. I should be out with my constituents on the ground, you know, out in the community. So I've got a lot of small towns around around me as well. So I, I often jump in the car, head over to the small towns, make meetings with community. So the ideal scenario, which we haven't got there yet, is for me not to be dependent on in the office and it's my fault, not theirs, you know. So that is the ideal scenario. And I do love seeing constituents when they come into my office. So if I, you know, if I hear someone's out the front and the girls, we have a bit of a system there too to know that it's fine to come out. If it's someone that's aggressive or there's an issue, well, obviously we've got to work through that. What would be the best way for me to communicate? If it's just someone popping in to get some help with the $250, you know, the electricity bonus I'll come out to say hi because they love seeing you you know they love seeing the person that they've elected and they love seeing your face so I'm always trying to just you know just pop out to the front and say hi through the window and how are you going and good that you know Mel's looking after you and yeah I love that I mean that's what you're here for and people love to connect to their member to be honest I mean out on the street I'm I can't do the groceries without you know an hour and a half you know because I love talking to people and it's what you're there for and if you can't stop and say hi to someone and have a quick chat that I shouldn't be in the role you know and yes it can take time at times but that's the role you are you are elected for the people and the people are what matter and make them feel that they matter because they do I love that everything you talk about just continues to come back to I'm here for the people there's there's such a massive community element in what you're doing and I'm hearing that that along with your desire to grow and continually learn has really been you know maybe a driver a motivator for you to continue succeeding through your career yeah, look, look, I love I love being around people and I'm very proud to be part of this community. You know, we had such challenging times during COVID as everyone did, but we were the most locked down regional city in the state. You know, at one point we had 20,000 people out of our 60 in isolation. You know, and our community came together and it's that united front that I love about, not only my role, but yeah, living in the region that I live in. The floods, you know, in October last year, right, you know, right in the middle of the campaign, we got hit with the floods in October. Well, I just said to my campaign team, shut it down. I've got to be on the ground amongst my people now. This is what matters most. And, yeah, we had a strategy for that whole month, but that's not what mattered. What mattered was getting people, you know, sandbagging and, you know, getting food to people and making sure that everyone had the connection to things that they needed. So that was a really interesting time. Um, but it's what I do well, I think, really, just making sure that people know that I'm here for them. And I'll continue to do that. That That's a big part. I always say my door's open. We're moving very soon. We're moving next month into a much more high-profile position in town, right into the centre of town. 
at the moment we're sort of around in Vaughan Street, which is a little side street. I'm really excited to be right in the main street next to the pharmacy, right near the post office. People will be able to see exactly where I am. And, um, you know, as I say, my door is always open. And so for for any, because um, uh, I have a lot of leaders who listen to this podcast, so any, you know, younger, early in their career leaders, any advice on um, the idea is anything, I think anything is possible, but that connection between the anything is possible with, uh, I don't really see how that works right now, any advice that you would give them? Yeah, I think you've just got to have the radar on, you know, look at what's around you, you know, because often we miss things, you know, I've always had a very strong intuition on things. And I'm, I'm very curious, as you know, hence why I started talking to you on the aeroplane. <laughs> and I think having a curious mind is a good thing and be open, you know, like, I never thought I'd end up here in politics, you know, and I never did. But what I did know is I would end up amongst community doing some form of something in the community so I think it's finding where you fit but also that pigeonhole is not always the shape you think it is so for me yes community but the actual shape of that pigeonhole to fit is very different to what I expect where I expected to land but I think you know just look I just think you know I look at the youth I've got two young daughters you know, the world is their oyster, really. Embrace opportunity. I always say that to my girls. You know, we will support you in every way possible, but it's up to you to really identify where you fit. Not where, you know, I didn't force my girls to go into an industry that I was in. A lot of people expected because I had two daughters they would. No, they found their own way in life and their own journey and they continue to do that. But it's people around you. And for the youth of today, there's so much opportunity. But I do still believe you've got to find where you fit, though. You know, something that makes you happy. And I know you've spoken to my brother, Jamie, and he had a very successful, you know, uh, he got went to university, the only one out of seven of us that had that opportunity, really. And he, when he finished university, he worked for the um, the professor of Melbourne University. And not long after that, about a year later, he, he left. And we just thought he had this golden opportunity. But he said he he just didn't feel that's where he really fitted. You know, he he enjoyed it and he was so privileged to have been given such a great job off the bat. And we were all so excited to have helped him through university to get a really great job. And then, you know, within two years or less, he he moved on. But he was smart enough to know that life was a journey and that where he was at that time, he learned a lot from that that position but it wasn't where he felt he fitted and then he went on to do other things it took him a while to actually work it out to really you know be in a real purposeful and fulfilling life and I think when you find that this is one of my blessings really I just feel like I have a sense of purpose and a, and a sense of belonging but um, also just a sense of happiness and, and really grateful and, and gratitude to think the journey so far I turned 60 last week and to think to be 60 years of age and to have had such a there's so many opportunities and so many wonderful people that have, you know, supported me, guided me, but for me to enjoy what I'm doing. I have wholeheartedly had the best career and I'm so happy now to be where I am. And I think that's that's where we all should be, hopefully in a role that makes us happy and that we feel we contribute and we have a sense of purpose. Well, I love that. I feel so inspired by <laughs> listening, listening to you. And, um, yeah, I really love what you've shared with us um, today. And I think that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how your career continues to evolve. I'd love to say over the next couple of decades, but who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Shelley. And it's very exciting. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm very happy where I am right now. I've still got a lot of energy, a lot of time left in me yet, and hopefully a lot to contribute, but also keep learning. I'm still learning myself, as you see. And that's such a great thing. And I I desperately hope we have more people like you um, in politics in the future, because I think it really represents, you know, 
I think it represents the true nature of what we're wanting to achieve. So thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me, Shelley. It's been so lovely to catch up again and all the best and keep in touch. (laughs) Thanks so much. And thanks everybody for listening. I look forward to another Dynamic Leader conversation with you soon. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.